Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. We hope you are loving our summer re-series. Now, if you are normally a really active person, maybe you're always up and around listening to podcasts, again, we encourage you to sit down and open a journal, to do something counterintuitive to you. But if you're normally more sedentary, more prone to sit down, we encourage you to get up, to walk during these podcasts and these episodes this summer. We're really trying to move from information in your life to transformation in your life and leadership. And we want to give you these thoughts and questions. Keep tuning into the series because we are going to look at different topics in the re-vein that are crucial for you as you make a huge redesign to your life heading into this fall. We believe this is a crucial summer moment, but we're taking a break from the re-series to bring you this special release episode. This is a dear friend of mine, John Peacock, and this is one of the most unique book projects I've ever heard. It has an origin, not just of a good idea, but of deep grief and pain and loss, and even a project that could be redemptive for his friend. John and I have been friends for many years. He leads a church that I love called Mission Church outside of Chicago. He's an advocate in his community. He's a lover of the wilderness. He loves his family, his wife, his daughters so well, his community. He bleeds for what he calls the 10 outside of Chicago, these 10 little towns that they have decided to care for as a church. And beyond that, he is a man of discipline, a man of care, and a man who deeply loves God's work around the world. And this is one expression of that. John's a great communicator. And during this time, we talk about some things that I know you're wrestling with. Fear, anybody? Anxiety, anybody? The stress of comfort or lack thereof, self-doubt, temptation, pride, loss, all the things that he calls giant killers in your life or the giants in your life that are whispering to you a little bit differently than they're whispering to me or to somebody else. Friends, you don't want to miss this one. This is a great conversation with my friend, John Peacock. John Peacock, my man, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. It's an honor to be on today on the cast, baby. Here we are. Woo! Well, congrats. Uh, New book. We're excited to hear more about that. Your book, Baby, has entered the world. What's her name? Giant Killer. Giant Killer. You, my friend, are a giant killer. I'm excited to dive in Um, to that. Friends, John has been on the podcast before as a friend, a leader that I admire, and um, he leads in various fields, which I think is really interesting um, to our guests. As many of you who are listening, um, you have ambition to lead multiple things, and John has done uh, has communicated in many ways, from communicating and leading a church to to serve an area outside of Chicagoland and create vision there. Uh, a podcast we've been able to collaborate on some of those before. Um, teaching others uh, over video, and actually leading wilderness experiences and being part of those is a huge common thread that we both have a love for the great outdoors, uh, the water, the canoe, all that. So before we dive in to Killing Giants uh, here on this special podcast uh, we have this summer, talk to me. You've just come out of the wilderness. What's the big deal with you in the wilderness? Well, you come out better, you know, you know, you, you come out better. You come out 
just a little bit more aligned. You come out uh, harder in the best ways and softer in the best ways. You come out with, uh, you come out of the wilderness with, for, for me, it, it right sizes, it puts everything in the, in the appropriate size and space. What I lead, you know, I, so I lead the church and that's the main thing that I do along with some great leaders uh, around the table. Uh, so we've been at that for over 10 years leading a church. It's called Mission Church outside of Chicago. I have on the side a little coaching uh, deal that I do. And so I got that going on. But really the main thing that occupies my mental space is is our church. You know, it's, we planted it 10 years ago. My main role is around preaching and teaching and vision. And that can take up so much of my mental space. And when I go to the wilderness, especially when I come out, it just right sizes what has uh, begun to kind of bleed into everything else and become all consuming. It puts it in the appropriate size and, and space, which is, I'm more than a pastor. <laughs> I'm more than a preacher. Uh, I happen to preach a lot. I happen to lead. Yep. But first and foremost, I am a son of God. And I, I, I'm sure your listeners can relate to this, but a lot of times my, if I'm not careful, my ident, my identity becomes what I do. And so when I go to the wilderness, when I get off the grid, uh, God says, no, 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 no. Uh, let, let's first things first, uh, your identity is in who you are. And I have called you son. And so that that's why I go uh, for many other reasons as well, such as great food uh, in the cast iron craft coffee, which you and yes. I share love for. I had the, uh, I had the, um, the AeroPress working this year, which was super fun. Nice. So yeah, man, I, I know you and I both love adventure. We love getting off the grid and I just, I love what it does to me. So yeah, we had a great time this year. And when you say right sizing, um, when I am most clear about who I am and who God is and my role in my family and in the world is when I feel so small. So when I am right-sized, I feel teeny and I'm reminded I am. And there's a little speck that is me in this, you know, little blip in time that is the present um, is, is all we got. And sensory wise, we come back alive, right? Shut down Zoom for a second, shut down the podcast for a second or the recording for a second, the production of, of literally what we're producing in our lives. And this Friday, um, I was fly fishing and I was in a stream, knee deep, pretty cold, and then we went rafting and I was like, even tossed out of the boat at some point it was reminded like, this will kill you out here. And I was reminded, man, this is beautiful out here. And man, this is so tangible and tactile and all that. So man, I love to see when you're heading to the wilderness, I love to hear you're coming back hard in the right way, soft in the right ways. Um, and that I think is an invitation. This summer we're in the re series, but we're taking a break to interview and bring a special uh, addition, a special friendship, and some of you need to hear from here, uh, which is John on this new book. What I know about a book is that you don't write these on accident and that there's a burning in your bones. What was that burning in your bones to write Giant Killer? Yeah, man, it's it's a joy to, to be here and it, it feels crazy to to hold this, this thing in my hand. 
it's a big deal. The, the backstory is it just over a year ago uh, in March. So yeah, just over a year ago, uh, one of my best friends in the world who I wrote this book with, his, his wife of what, 25 plus years took her own life. And I'll just, yeah, I'll never forget. It was on a Sunday. I just finished preaching. I get down off the stage, service ends, and I can tell something's wrong. And, you know, I just kind of have this, I can see it right now, just everything beginning to happen. And Blake, who's, who's my buddy that I co-authored this with, um, he calls me and now I'm talking to him and he begins to tell me that his wife, who I, have, I had known for decades, uh, took her life. And just, it's just one of the worst days uh, of all time. And, um, you know, leaving church that day, I drove straight to the, uh, to the hospital and was there with Blake, went in to see her the final time with his oldest son, her parents, just the worst, mm. the worst of the worst. And you know, after a few days, you know, Blake and I have walked through life together. We've been in the wilderness a lot together. We've gone through highs and lows, but this was certainly the, the greatest, most difficult thing I've ever seen a brother go through. And the backstory of Giant Killer is as the dust was settling from that trauma, tragedy, I felt like we needed to play offense and we needed to, instead of retreat, that we needed a project that would uh, do the opposite. It would advance in the midst of trauma, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of a level of suffering that Blake, and he's experienced a lot of suffering. So that's really the backstory, man, is friendship, me loving Blake, knowing how he is with projects, and he needed to put his hands to something as a way of working through his grief process. And so, yeah, this is a book, but this is, you know, I just, just got done talking with Blake. We're getting ready to team teach the launch of this uh, on Sunday. And, and what Blake is gonna say to our people is this isn't a book. More than being a book, this is a stone that I released in the direction of my enemy. And um, that's the backstory. This feels like, uh, I'm just incredibly proud of his work um, and that journey If folks on this show have lost loved ones. They know you don't get over it. You don't get around it. I mean, Blake will be leaving with a limp for a uh, forever, I'm sure. But um, we feel like this is a defiant work, <laughs> you know, like it just feels that way. So mm. that's the backstory of Giant Killer. And as we began to think about the the story from first samuel 17 that so many have heard of whether whether they're church you know goers or whether they've read the bible or not most people have heard of david and goliath it's one of our favorite stories it's such a great on-ramp for anyone and everyone no matter what their faith journey might be uh, that narrative has always gripped us and so that's what the book really is um, we kind of walk through that story and really we ask the question how did he do it and in that uh, we begin to talk about this what we at least see is there's five things that, that David does, probably more than five, but at least these five. And, and then we talk about the, the major giants in life, 
seven, there's more than seven, but we talk about these seven major giants in our heart, uh, what we felt like, and this is in us is we want to help people win the battles that matter most. Mm. And so that's what giant killer is all about. Mm. And you mentioned these, these seven, I'm just going to read over them and then really want to dive into those five steps, fear, anxiety, comfort, self-doubt, temptation, pride, loss. And when I zoom in, um, COVID has exacerbated those in the last few years. And I don't know that I've ever, John, heard a story of writing a book come out of the offensive as much as I've heard of this one. Mm. Wow. Um, well, it seemed like a good idea. I was offered a contract. Here was this idea stirring in me. This is an offensive idea. And I know if you're listening to this, one of those seven things or all of those seven things um, has been stealing your lunch money and chasing you home. And so I love the offensive posture you come out of this. The work itself um, is huge and it's hard to write a book on the best of seasons. Mm -hmm. And I cannot imagine Blake taking this on and you partnering to do this with him. Um, wow. So there's so much in here, man. I can't wait to have it like paper in my hands, writing in this thing. Um, but why don't you just let us into this five-step plan it starts with decide. What do you mean by this? Yeah. So first Samuel 17, it talks about how there's two, you know, there's two groups of people. There's, um, there's God's people, Israel, and then the opposing army on the other side. And it says there's a valley in between them. I think it's verse three. You can look it up, but so there's, there's God's people, nation of Israel. And then across the valley, there's the opposing, you know, army. And then there's this valley between them. And then it says how in the valley stood Goliath. And so what's interesting is we would say that there is a ground that you and I are standing on right now. I would call it the now ground. It's the right now ground. It's where we are right now every domain of life, the now ground of your marriage, the now ground of your career or craft, the now ground, so on and so on. And yet we believe that our God is a God who is doing a new thing. We believe that he's doing a new thing and he wants to do a new thing. And so we believe that there is a new ground. So there's a now ground where we currently stand. There's a new ground that we believe God wants us to occupy and experience, not just for us, but to actually leverage for the good of, of everyone around us, our city, our community. Uh, our country. And so that new ground, though, <laughs> there is someone standing between, right? Always. And it's always a giant. And it's one of the seven giants that we certainly talk about in the book. But uh, when we cut, when we talk about decide, that is step number one. And that is the most important step, because when you read that narrative, you see that the nation of Israel, this army, they'd already been there. They've been camped out for some time. And every day, the giant Goliath would come into that valley and he would talk smack. And the more he talked, except for 40 days at least, he was threatening them. He's in their ear. He's loud because that's what giants do. They're loud. They're in our ear. They're always saying all kinds of different things about us. And it says that Israel, they melted in fear. They were they chose inaction. And it is the choice. And so when we were reading through that, we're like, man, this is the first part of this amazing story. Typically, we only focus on either the slingshot moment uh, or when the giant falls. And I love that moment, too. We'll get there. But when you rewind the tape, it all started with one person deciding. 
And that was David. And you get into that story and you think about how one person decided, and yet that one person's choice of decision, of defiance, of saying, no, we are going to engage. Everyone was blessed by it. One person's decision, <laughs> which is, for me, it, it really inspires me of thinking that the battles that are before me, like I need to choose to engage, decide. That's step number one. And when David decided, not only was his life forever changed, but so was those around him too. And so there's so much at stake. I guess that's what I'm saying. Is there's so much at stake of our decision or lack thereof, our action or inaction. There is so much at stake. So that's step number one, decide to engage, decide to fight. And uh, that's where it really begins. Number two, it moves into discern. What's discern all about? Yeah, so discern is all about discerning what giant you're facing. So you've done enough work and you're one of the best coaches, I think, that there is helping leaders get unstuck or stay unstuck. So when you're coaching people, I'm sure they share with you their challenge. And let's just say I'm making something up right now, but let's just say one of the persons you're coaching, one of the leaders says, hey, here's my current challenge. I need to raise you know, $7 million for this project, capital campaign. Okay, that's a giant. <laughs> Well, we need to discern what that is. That's different than that person saying to you, hey, my challenge right now is my wife and I, or my husband and I, we're just not quite on the same page. So when we talk about this second step, discern is all about discerning what giant are you facing? Are you facing the giant of anxiety or are you facing the giant of comfort? Those are two different giants. And so we need to, we need to slow it down, I think, in step number two, because leading to step number three, not all giants are killed equally or the samely. They actually need some different strategies. Mm. So good. Yeah. I want to dive deep on all these. We better <laughs> not. We're just giving a little appetizer, yeah. a little yeah, yeah. taster. Guys, dive deeper yeah. in the book. Yeah. Uh, I will also discover. What do we need to yeah. discover? Yeah. So when we say discover, when that's in the book, I want you to think strategy. And so David discerned, okay, it's Goliath. He's nine, he's nine feet tall. He's not nimble. So this is probably me reading into the passage, um, using a little bit of my creativity perhaps, but it would have been different if David step two would have discerned that it was a group of people or normal sized people. So step three is all around understanding the strategy. What strategy is going to be best discerning that, okay, I'm facing someone over nine feet tall that is not going to be able to move very well. Uh, in the book, uh, David and Goliath, I, I don't know if you ever came across um, uh, his book. I'm going to Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. He has some interesting uh, research on even how these giants could have um, eyesight that was impaired. I don't know if David knew any of that, but all that to say, though, David knew that it was a giant. And so this is why we see David going down to the stream to get five smooth stones. So step three is all about strategy. Mm. Develop. What do we need to develop? Oh, you're going to love this one because this is a lot of what you do as well. This is all about skill, honing the skill. So if step three is about strategy, uh, this is about, all right, here's, here's the strategy for who I'm fighting. Now we've got to hone the skill. So let's just put it this way. If, if I were in that story in first Samuel 17 and okay, decide, all right. Yep. 
going to do something about this. And uh, then I'm discerning, okay, it's a giant. He's really big. Then I'm like, all right, the best strategy is to be a slinger, which, you know, in their context, man, that was a powerful, powerful strategy. Well, that next step then is all around skill development. And the truth is for me, because I, I think I used a slingshot like once as a kid. So I would actually need a lot of time because that is not a polished, crafted skill. Yep. Uh, I have some polished, crafted skills in my life, but slingshot isn't one of them. For David, it had been. And so this is where the whole 10,000 hours actually came in handy for David. He, he was ready. Uh, he was ready. And so I think in a lot of ways, this one is all about this uh, the uh, skill development. You know, I talk about in the book, Tiger Woods at his heyday, he's making, he would practice and hone his skill of putting, making 10,000 putts a day. Steph Curry, 500 shots, jump shots a day. Uh, Kobe, uh, certainly one of the greatest of all time, got to the gym 4 a.m. every day. What, what can we take away from some of the masters of their craft? Well, they developed it. They did the work. And oftentimes we read that story and we just think, oh, yeah, I guess David just kind of figured it out. Now, one of my favorite quotes is, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of your training. James Clear says that in Atomic Habits. I agree with that completely. And so what we need to do and what we offer up in the book is a way that you can actually hone your skill. Because I think so many people walk away from the fight, walk away from the battle, defeated, discouraged. Well, there's actually some things that we can do. We can hone these skills so that we can win more, so that we can actually become more and more victorious. And so that's what step number four is all about. I love what you say there in the book. The best strategy in the world is worthless if not developed. And man, we want the results that somebody else got without the work. That's it. And we want that moment. Um, But you haven't trained for that moment. And just, man, to, to brag on you, to encourage you, John, uh, man, I see you. I see you developing that. I know some of your habits, we've talked about those, some of those things before most people get out of bed in the morning, some of the ways that you're running and you're going after those habits that sharpen other habits. And that's the, that's the reality. It doesn't excuse us from doing the hard repetitious work far after it's boring so that we can be excellent so that we can live into our design and ultimately partner with God in that man. So many good thoughts in here. Deploy. Give us that fifth step. Deploy. What's that all about? Yeah, man, that's in many ways, that part kind of takes care of itself. It's releasing the stone. It's releasing the stone in the direction of your giant. Shoot your shot, baby. That's it, man. Uh, And so that that's that last part that we see in the story. We see him deploy uh, the stone and in this you know, this five-step process, it's not a linear one as, as you would expect. It's cyclical. And so it just, it comes back to then, all right, step number one, will you decide? And, uh, you know, it's just incredible to think generations down the road, men would name their sons David. Um, I've never met anyone named Saul. I'm sure they're out there. But many, many, many people come to mind that are named David. And so one person decided that day. And it affected so many different things. This shepherd boy that no one knew would go on to be the greatest king of Israel. Um, so much was at stake that day. And yet we thank God that David decided to engage. So that step five, yeah, that's about deploying, releasing that skill, which gets me really excited. But then it quickly comes back to uh, 
to step number one. Beautiful, man. I can't wait to dive into this. Friends, uh, pick up your copy of Giant Killer. We'll leave a link in the show notes. John, I want to get personal for you, man. What giants did you have to slay as you took on this huge project? Oh, great question. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. We can come back to this, but there's a new giant that just, it's not in the book, that just resurfaced. I'd be curious if you face it because you're an author, a published author. So, but during the process, during the project, it was definitely the giant of comfort which is my lifelong, and I talk about that in the book, my lifelong um, battle. And people wonder why I do triathlons and all this stuff. They're like, are you trying to like prove something? I'm like, no, I mean, I don't think I am. Uh, I'm just really trying to make pain my ally. And uh, I'm, I'm working at that, have been for a little while now. But that comfort, the giant of comfort, because I'm already writing a ton, I you know, I'm speaking all the time at, at our church. And so that, yeah, it just, it, it wasn't comfortable, man. And you know, you've gone through this process. You, you've written some great stuff. And um, that giant was, uh, that giant was significant. Yeah. I want to leave it you with this question um, because we all know friends who are hurting and friends who have faced significant loss. And so I want to say capital L loss, like Blake yeah. Yeah. in this well season. Said. Well said. Um, you've been a friend in addition to co-author, in addition to partner in this process. What do you say to someone whose friend has capital L loss in their life mm. who truly wants to support them? John, how can we do that? Mm. Yeah, the, the, I'll answer it in two parts. The first part may seem, I don't know how it will seem, but uh, the Holy Spirit will show you how. And that's not a, and that is a very authentic answer that um, God really knows what that person needs. And so just that practice of bringing your friend before the Lord in prayer, um, you know, Lord, you know where they're at today. You know what they need today. You know what lie they're believing today. Um, so there's, you know, if Blake were on the show, he would, he would tell you, um, just the, the different times where God put on my heart or, you know, we have a community around Blake. I'm one of that community, but yeah, God will show you how he'll show you what to do. He'll speak to you on what to do for sure. I think the, you know, I had a, <clears throat> this is a number of years ago, a buddy of mine whose mom and dad both died and his brother one of his brothers died. I remember, remember him telling me, he said, John, one of the best things that someone did for me when I was in a sea of grief is they came over and picked me up at the house and took me to the movie theater and we watched a movie. And I was like, that's so interesting. I'm like, why was that helpful? He said, I just needed to laugh a little bit. I needed someone to just pull me out just for, just for a little bit. And so there's something to like a project, which could be a million different things, right? It could be a project where you work with your hands. Maybe one of your buddies is a craftsman of some kind. Man, let's find a project. Let's do something together. Let's sweat together. Let's work with our hands. It could be a race of some kind. I'm into, you know, all these kind of uh, races, marathon, triathlons. It could be training together where you're just 
you're together step for step running, sweating together. Uh, but I, I have learned over the past year, yes, a project where you can do together, God can really show up in a huge way. And, and in no way are we trying to uh, hurry up our friends through this process. No, it's just tons of space, love them, walking with them. And uh, we're going to take a step today together. So yeah, the, the project, thinking of a project, um, I've seen that's, that's, that's quite helpful. John, thanks for your time. Thanks for your investment in Blake. Thanks for writing on things that are ridiculously practical right now to where we're at. Timely and timeless. I'm grateful for you, man. Grateful for how you serve so many folks. And uh, friends, this has been a break of a special episode in the midst of our re-series that we're asking you to redesign your life, to reevaluate maybe even where we've come from, where, where you are. And we're going to take a break from interviews like this this summer. I promise you we're getting back to more of these. Uh, but John, a pleasure, a joy to know you, to have you on, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Great to be with you. Giantkillerbook.com. Pick up a copy. Buy one for a friend. Man, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Shine, shine, shine. We ain't focused so long.